Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries. I'm your host, John, and this is the concluding part of my conversation with Johannes about long-form campaigns and talking about our particular campaigns that we're running at the moment as of time of recording and some other stuff that we sort of segued into. So we're going to get straight into that after the music. And we're starting off the conversation in this episode with talking about running different campaigns set in the same campaign world, but in different time periods of the world's history. Now that would be like that, uh, talking about the, using the same setting and um, playing at different points on the timeline, be real nice to play in the sort of like vast epochs of time before the current campaign's present where the land masses were entirely different. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, put in, because we know now what the current day is, we can also then take stuff from there, put it back like hundreds of millions of years and, you know, make the references uh, that yeah, way. In, in terms of like the, the past of like the, the campaign, Wood for Smoke and Snow, you guys like have discovered a fair bit about it, you know, like the, the original mages who like mm-hmm. caused the Ice Age and they did it to seal this like demonic creature in and stuff like that. But everything sort of like far before that is fairly nebulous. And I've got like a little timeline in my notes. But like say it's like, oh, the age of heroes. Like this is the major theme of this age. The age Mm -hmm. of the Serpent Kings. This is what happened in this age. But beyond that, it's sort of fairly nebulous. So obviously if we move into the future, we've got the knock-on effects of what you guys have done, which Mm -hmm. you can have callbacks, which is all nice and cool. But things can develop in an interesting different way but like you say in the same way if you go far into the past it's nebulous enough that you know like you can i mean we we know that like oh the world doesn't explode because it's still Mm -hmm. there in the future but Mm -hmm. if you guys like oh yeah we were instrumental in like destroying the main like serpent man temple or whatever it's like well Mm -hmm. that that would have had an effect in the future but it's so remotely distant in the past Mm-hmm. That like the actual d- direct impact on the previous campaign we'd had would have been fairly negligible. Mm-hmm. So it leaves it quite open for that. Oh, one one um one of the things I was going to ask uh, about campaigns in terms of like your uh, Burning World campaign, Chronicle mm-hmm. of the Crowns. Obviously, as we've said, we've opened running our campaigns for some time now. Mm-hmm. Ha- have you got any ideas or how do you sort of envision like the end point? of the current campaign being and just to like carry on from what we've just been talking about do you envision yourself potentially returning to this world or yeah yeah absolutely because we've developed it to such an extent now uh, and um as as stated we all pitched in yeah yeah. so it's it's our common creation and we've i've especially after we start the game i've done a lot of the development and now burning wheel gives uh, the player characters' tools to continue developing the setting as we play, and we have done some of that as well. But I've I put in a whole bunch of stuff since uh, we've invested a lot in this, and I like it. Seems like the players are liking it as well, and um, I think there's a lot of value we can squeeze from the setting. Now, unless Matthew's character destroys the world, like. I suppose that might be a, a, like a very... I, I think even if... <laughs> I mean, hopefully that, that doesn't happen. But uh, 
even if that did happen as well, I think you'd you could still sort of carry on the world because yeah. like you know when people say like oh so and so destroyed the world they very rarely mean like oh they atomized the planet and like yeah, reduced yeah, the, it the, to dust yeah the, the planet's core cracked and now it cools yeah. and and all life dies no. so you, you think about like lord of the rings where like you see you see like sauron's tower falling at the end in the film and like mm-hmm. the eye winking out and everything mm-hmm. in mordor's like falling to pieces it's like mordor's still there I mean, yeah, granted, and, it's like dank as and it's all destroyed, but like mm-hmm. you could still, if it, if it were a game, you could still mm-hmm. run a game set in Mordor after that. Yeah, and that is that's a very good point because um, the the end for the Chronicle of the Crowns campaign will essentially come when the characters, uh, all of them, not just Matthew's character, when all of them have reached a point where uh, I suppose they have enough of a resolution whether that is like ranging all the way from like utter defeat uh to um to glorious success uh when we have reached that point uh we might call it there i I imagine like when we reach that kind of situation uh, we're gonna have a post-session talk maybe even during the session we we will have a uh, short conversation about like is is this it do we feel comfortable leaving it here and um uh, what that might be, uh, I don't know. There's it's it, because the game is uh, driven by the player characters' uh, beliefs, so it, it sort of it morphs as we go, yeah. um, like what the end point will eventually be. But we are definitely heading towards some possibilities now because we are uh, going to be taking head on the, what is basically <laughs> has been foreshadowed as more or less a big bad, not necessarily the big bad, but. Yeah one of them anyway uh from the very start of the game and um we're sort of heading towards one of these junctions where we could end the campaign in a few sessions i think uh, if we all collectively came to that conclusion and uh, carrying on from there there's definitely um room for further campaigns and that also um because there's like stuff we haven't explored stuff we can flesh out things we've let by the wayside which we could return to with a different campaign, different characters, all that. Also, it would then be carrying on with the sort of inspirational source material from Tolkien as well, because Tolkien's world is uh, like the, the, we are introduced to the War of the Ring period, right in the the, the trilogy, yes. yep. and um, that whole story constantly underlines the fact that, however miserable and dark things are now however hard and grueling this struggle is everything is a pale shade from something more vital and something more important that happened long ages ago we can carry on the cycle i think uh, in in our sort of campaign world as well the sort of as i mentioned before the uh, the sort of like short form pitch for the campaign is that this world has already experienced a lot of this sort of turning of the cycle and yeah. uh, the center not uh, being able to uh, withstand uh, the uh, the ages. And uh, I think when we come to the conclusion of this, there's definitely going to be uh, more cycles of of story and epochs of time that we could go through in the same same campaign setting, definitely. And now it would probably not be in like on an idea level, whereas, uh, smoke and snow 
wide open options you could put in um sort of like a sort of very delineated pieces of content for example like the hot springs island that we've talked about yeah. you could put that in the ocean and instantly there's a new campaign in your yes. world yeah. um i think we're looking at something a little bit more restrict restricted because it's kind of kind of very focused on a very sort of i don't want to say limited area but like designated area yes. um yeah. the the world that we fleshed out it's about this particular piece of a continent i guess yeah yeah I mean, that, I, that's my very long-winded <laughs> yeah but i think as well like one of the reasons these uh these sort of like long form campaigns and you know all these like stories where someone said oh they're running the same campaign for like 60 years or whatever appealed to me is because of that whole thing you were saying in like lord of the rings where like tolkien's effectively like oh i'm going to write a mythology for for, for britain for, mm-hmm. for england mm-hmm. and he's like oh uh, because it's a mythology and obviously he's incredibly skilled as a writer he's like oh it's not just good enough to be like oh here's an adventure story that's happening about a magic ring it's mm-hmm. like you've really got to have that sense of like history and as you say like previous ages that have had knock-on effects to this mm-hmm. and i like the i like the sort of callbacks he does where you know like you go and you go and sit where they do like elrond and he's like oh i was there when the strength of men failed mm-hmm. and stuff like that and i like the idea of like whenever you hear people talking about the, these games have been running for like 50 years or whatever. they'll be like oh and uh, the, this king in such and such a land that was actually like a player character from a game i ran 15 years ago mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, now he's mm-hmm. the king and i love that idea of sort of using successive games to like build up the history of your mm-hmm. of your campaign world so it's not just me yeah. being like here's the history like crack on players it's me being like here's some history i did but also like a lot of this like players have done yeah as the game's gone along mm-hmm. yeah that is definitely a, a very nice aspect of the long form games and uh it, it's kind of like a there's some in board games you have these things called legacy games where you you have something that is kind of gonna stick around in your copy of the game. Yeah, because I mean, from from what I understand, and I'm not a big board gamer, but from mm-hmm. what I understand, like legacy games, the idea is that you say you retain something from previous mm-hmm. games, so that like each time you play it, it's like slightly different based on what happened previously. Yeah, yeah. So maybe there's like a I don't know, like a rule or a resolution that you come into on one play of the game, and then that is kept there for the future games. And uh, I also like that sort of like legacy building um, aspect of long campus, which I haven't had a lot of opportunities to do, but uh, I definitely have that in mind for, for this Burning Wheel game and uh, for whenever we get around somewhere in the distant future. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I also think as well, I mean, we've spoken about this with Smoke and Snow, but again, with the, the world you, the, that's been created for Chronicle of the Crowns, mm-hmm. I think, again, that's something that you, you wouldn't necessarily have to stick with, like, Burning Wheel to use that setting. No, no, not at all. Because don't get me wrong, like, obviously it's been created like Burning Wheel in mind, and it works mm-hmm. really well for that, and you know me, I love Burning Wheel. But um, if you, if you, let's say, you were like, and if a few months after you'd wrap this this up, you were like, oh, actually, I want to like move the timeline on five hundred years in this world, and like we're we're gonna we're gonna do like a worlds without number game, but set in this campaign setting. I, I think mm-hmm. you could quite happily do that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
I suppose that is a um, <laughs> very versatile asset, uh, to put it in very clinical terms. Well, yeah, um, I mean, that... as, as I've said, I, I'm all about making my life as a GM like as easy as possible mm -hmm. when it comes to running a game. So for me, like all these notes I'm sort of building up now of like stuff you guys are doing, and I've got this timeline, and I know what mm -hmm. the gods were and what they are in this world. If I then run a game in the future and I'm like, oh, I've already got all these notes, all I've got to do is like, again, let's say 100 years in the future, the next mm -hmm. game is, I've just got to go, like, oh, all I've got to do is like fill in the time between this game and the next game. I don't have to start everything from scratch mm -hmm. again. I've already got a lot of sort of inspirational material there. And one of the things I, I like doing, and I, I've done it in several games that you've played in, is when we get to like the end of a campaign, is then sort of saying like, oh, what do you, just very briefly, what do you think happened to your character after this? And mm -hmm. um, so, so let's say we're, let's say we're doing, a, we've reached the end of Smoke and Snow, Weimar's got like the, the, the Sunblade or whatever, mm -hmm. and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to settle down and into my role as like the Knight Defender of New mm -hmm. Zealand and we're going to do this. Then a hundred years in the future, you can like do like a little callback and be like, oh, maybe, maybe there's like a statue of, and we've done a bit yeah. of this already, but you know, maybe there's a statue of like Weimar there, or maybe his mm -hmm. names appears on like a wall, like a scroll listing all the previous like knight defenders and stuff like that. Yeah, or like just <clears throat> uh, not even like sticking to characters there. Although like that is entirely something that I also want to do in in my games. Like that is that is the. Uh, the hey man, like, I, I didn't go starting a new religion just to be forgotten. Yeah, yeah, because you because you did that. <laughs> Um, but I was thinking for Weimar especially, like, uh, it would be very cool then to come back. hundred years have passed, different characters. We come back to New Zealand. It's a, like, a grown merchant port maybe now. Yeah. And they've got these two towers, the two towers of Zealand. Everyone knows those now. Yeah. And um, the, the knight defender of the two towers uh is like the badge of office is the sun sword yeah and and if you cannot you you know lift up the sun sword and proclaim you your oath to defend oh it's uh, like, it's like molnir like whosoever yeah. is worthy yeah. to possess this. are you are you worthy because not anyone not just anyone can defend uh new zealand we need someone who is worthy whose heart is in the right place and um the the true test is then uh you lift up the sun sword and you proclaim your oath uh, to defend the people uh, with your life, if necessary, and uh, uh, and that's how you <laughs> how you, how yeah. they run that particular position. That like stuff like that is a very high grade payoff, <laughs> I think, See, for I, the games I, that we play. I, I love that as an idea. I also quite like the idea of like instead of something like how old your character is, like in his twenties or thirties. Yeah, but, yeah. But so I nebulously, I, I'm thinking of it like. 30s somewhere around there and maybe he doesn't even know because he, he yeah. wasn't really in the like he was he's not a noble he <laughs> so yeah, yeah. He, he's not really sure himself I, I, i'm I, thinking I, in the 30s somewhere there I, I quite like the idea of like maybe instead of doing like 100 years in the future well, realistically if you're a human in a sort of fantasy foam idiot you ain't gonna live to be 100 no but like <laughs> maybe going like oh let's move the setting on 20 years 30 mm -hmm. years or something like that and then you can potentially do like, oh yeah, like if you, if you rock into New Zealand, like Weimar or somebody's there as like he's now like the old man who's like yeah. overseeing like, the city. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you can you can sort of make some more like obviously like me doing it as an NPC, but mm -hmm. you can 
you can still sort of do that those more immediate callbacks to uh, mm-hmm. and, I, and I see it's like a little like, added bonus to anyone who played in like, the previous game where you can be like oh yeah that's stuff that you sort of said at the end like this is what I think my character's going to do now mm-hmm. like it didn't just get like wrote in my notes and like forgotten about it, it's had this knock-on effect in a future game and even if that's just like oh there's, there's like old man Weimar as like the, the, the king of like the town now yeah, it, it's still it's like oh here's a bit of a bonus your like character's actions had a long-lasting impact on this campaign world, and, and even little things like we've we've already done in the game, like um, Rob's first character, like got killed by all those giant beetles, yeah. and then after the ten-year, uh, after the ten-year sort of time skip, like then the main tavern's called the Hunter and Beetle because like the legend mm-hmm. of how he like sacrificed himself for his friends yeah. got like sort of like passed down and like distorted, mm-hmm. and a tavern's been named after even little callbacks like that. It's just a way of saying like, oh, what your character does in the game matters. Yeah, which is, I think that's the, uh, <laughs> not to be too uh, too cheesy here, but the, the, the true reward was the, uh, the memories we made along that's the way it. when we played the game. That's it. The, the memories were inside us all along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but truly, like, that's, that's the thing. Like, I'm not going to remember the statistical bonuses of the Sun Sword, but I'm going to remember that... Uh, Colin, who is is no longer, unfortunately, due to scheduling, able to participate in this this particular game, but he started out in it, and Colin uh, originally found the Sun Sword. I will remember that. And um, Colin's character, uh, who was not of the uh, appropriate temperament uh, for the Sun Sword, picked it up, almost killed himself. (laughs) So that's the stuff that I will remember, not the (laughs) nitty-gritty. That's it. Like you say, it's like... I'm not going to remember like blow by blow every like combat that, we, that we've done in like smoke and snow, but you best believe I'm going to remember that like scene where Weimar and like Brother Lomas were like getting dragged oh, towards yeah. that like roper, <laughs> and they like you're frantically trying like everything you can to like get away from it. So it's like dragging you towards its mouth, and likewise in the Burning Wheel game, it's like oh yeah, I'm not going to remember like every single like, little thing yeah. how, how does forking work or how do you yeah. how do you help or what's the link test yeah, exactly but I, i'm gonna i'm gonna remember sort of like enjoying like my, my dwarf character like talking about like, how like, everything was fated and when we like delved in and we're looking for like the lost forges and mm-hmm. like some of the stuff we did last session like, like meeting the poet and like training with the poet and stuff like that mm-hmm. and I, I should probably interject here she probably won't listen to this but i should probably give like a big shout out to like my <laughs> missus my long-suffering wife hannah who's been in some <laughs> podcast episodes with me who like every time i run a game or like play in one of Johannes's games has to put up with me for about an hour like talking about it afterwards and we normally finish like fairly late in the evening so like, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm normally like we finish and i'm like Oh, I really, I really should go to bed. I'm just going to go downstairs and have a glass of water or whatever, and go go downstairs. And like Hannah, bless her, is always like, "Oh, how did your game go?" And I'm like, "Let me tell you about them 15 well, successes I got in the last night's game." <laughs> Let me get my notepad out. That's it. Yeah, but bless her. <laughs> I'm long suffering. Uh, apologies for me as well, uh, Hannah, for for yeah, <laughs> being party to this. A, that's fine. <laughs> I, I, I don't know whether you, your own missus like has to enjoy the sort of like um, a, a little bit, but. Um, I think it may maybe more in my case a um, like when I get uh, excited or really into the thing that is happening. Maybe I'm a little bit loud sometimes <laughs> as we play. So 
it's 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 been more about that rather than regaling uh oh, <laughs> blow I, by blow I, 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 I was sort of I, I went i went downstairs like i say to have like a glass of water and whatever and like watch a bit of tv after your game finished mm-hmm. i was like like i say you know you, you get like enthused and you're like really get into mm-hmm. a game i can't just like then switch that off and like go to sleep yeah. That, that that's why yeah. i'm normally no, like oh, i can't no. go on too late so i'm like if we run till 12 i'm probably not getting to sleep yeah. till like half two in the morning so yeah. um but we finish i'm like i'll oh, go downstairs watch a bit of tv wind down have a drink whatever and um I, I happened to walk through the kitchen like my, my wife was like having a smoke out of the back and she was like she was like oh, oh you, you're going straight to bed now I was like oh no because I'm really like pumped up after the game I'm going to like mm-hmm. she was like oh d- d- did it not go well and I was like no it went really well really enjoyed it <laughs> but like like I'm I'm like reared up now and like I can't I'm going to need like at least half an hour to like yeah. chill out so I can like go to sleep otherwise I'm just going to be lying in bed like 15 successes were amazing <laughs> yeah and that is that is something that uh, I have um, like noted uh, a, a lot during my, uh, I suppose, uh, career <laughs> DMing yeah. um, or, or running games, rather. Um, the, the DM slash GM uh, buzz is extremely real. Like you, yeah, yeah. you, you run a session. You're getting really into it. Maybe you prep something that you're really proud of you think people are gonna like maybe you tailor made something that you know that someone has been looking for for a long time and you just can't wait to drop it on them uh, like so many chocolate eggs with surprises inside and um and then you get that uh very human experience of watching other people enjoy something you've made and um and you you also uh, like enjoy the thing that you've made and you come away from a session i know that i do a lot of the time i come away from a session with so much energy yeah it's it's just impossible like at, at some point i will just go to bed and be like well i'm just gonna lay down here i will run through all these thoughts and i just hope that at some point the <laughs> sort of horizontal positioning will just drop me off to sleep because <laughs> but, but it always makes me laugh because i've normally got like a book or something like on the cabinet next to like my bed mm-hmm. to like read for a bit before I go to sleep and Hannah always laughs because I'll be like oh I'm going going to bed I'm going to like read for a bit and then get some sleep and she'll be like oh yeah, yeah you'll start reading you'll read about two pages and then you'll like fall asleep and I'm like that's because like I find the most boring thing I can mm-hmm. possibly find and I put that as my reading material because I'm like oh if, if I'm already like pumped up from a game or something if I just read like a really boring or like sort of factually like dense book like, mm-hmm. I, like I'll probably grab one of my my, my herb books like my sort of real world mm-hmm. like herbology books where mm-hmm. they're interesting but you know if you try and just read through like page upon page like, oh and then there's this herb and here's what you can do like it soon like gets you off to sleep and sort of gets you gets you sort of like mm-hmm. back down from that high of energy that you're talking about but yeah, yeah. i have to explain to them like no I, d- I deliberately pick boring stuff to like read because mm-hmm. if i pick something exciting i'll i'll f- I'll sort of come down from reading the game and then I'll be like, oh, I'm really gripped by like, this novel I'm like reading. Oh, I'm... And then I'll read it like, it's like five o'clock in the morning and you're like, I've not slept at all. Yeah, this is like, yeah, I've had far too many cups of coffee, but maybe I should take five more. Yes. <laughs> yeah. like, no, no. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think as well, it's, as you were saying, as a, when you're a GM, obviously you invest so much of yourself and your time and your energy in a game and, you know, there's always that little bit of apprehension when you come to a game where you're like, oh, I hope everyone oh, yeah. enjoys it and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then you have the actual session, you sort of run that, and you've got the, the different sort of energy of running the session as opposed to like, the anticipation and the prep. 
mm-hmm. and then when it's sort of it's done for all intents and purposes mm-hmm. it's very difficult to just like switch that off afterwards because i don't know yeah. about you but for me like we run the session i say to you guys at the end i'm like oh what are you guys thinking about doing mm-hmm. next session you, you like tell me and then even if i don't touch my notes i don't touch the keyboard for like another two days i'm immediately mm-hmm. thinking like all oh, right so what's gonna happen with that like next session like oh they yeah they're going across to here and like this is going on there and you sort of start running over it in your mind and again i find it dead difficult to just like switch off from that yeah and i think for me specifically i um we last time i was on uh on your show here um i think we did uh one of the last times uh some time ago now there was a uh discussion we had about prep yeah and um I think my prep has really strongly pivoted towards uh, not necessarily writing a lot of things down, but I start much like yourself, uh, no doubt, uh, at the end where we sort of get to that point where I'm, I'm asking like, okay, so what's the sort of general idea you guys want to engage with next time? Um, because Burning Wheel runs on whatever the characters are, are engaging with because uh, yeah. uh, you as players determine that. so. I, I want to get like the temperature, uh, if not the exact thing, but I, I want to get the idea so that I can get the um, the juices flowing. And uh, my prep, increasingly, I find, is just me getting that sort of spark of ignition from you guys and then just thinking about imagery and and cool scenes yeah. for a week. And then maybe an hour before the actual session, I'll write down like some bullet points uh, yeah. that I've, I've come up with. Uh, and I think increasingly visual, like I increasingly think of like cool visual scenes where your, your characters are doing something. Uh, that's, that's been an interesting thing to note. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I've, I've moved a little bit towards being a, a bit more visual with my prep. So like if for instance, I'm like, Oh yeah, you guys are traveling to like a swamp or a stone circle, say mm. next session. Like one of the first things I'll do is like, hit up the old like google image search and i'll be like oh stone circles mm-hmm. and then i'll just yeah, scroll <laughs> just scroll through all the pictures until i find one where i'm like oh that kind of looks interesting and then you can look at that and you can like, pick out some details like you can be like oh there's like there's like a bush with some like red berries like in the corner of this picture of this like swamp like oh maybe mm-hmm. i could do something with that and like maybe they could find mm-hmm. some like forage stuff where you go like oh the, the, the sort of stone circle in in this it's got some like weird sort of like designs on it oh and this like attached story saying like oh it was it was part of there's some sort of stream flying past it that had like religious significance like, oh maybe i can do something with that mm-hmm. yeah i mean i, I sort of the, the, the template i'm i'm talking about that i use is uh i basically took from um mike shay's like return of the lazy gm book mm-hmm. where he's like oh I, i'm not telling you to do no prep but i'm telling you just to, like focus on the bits which are going to get you like the maximum like reward for, for putting in the prep on it and uh, i sort of started off with that and i've gradually like tweaked it for my own like personal tastes but again it varies by like session so you guys are exploring this like three level like dungeon at the minute and it's like from from the first session i i just sketched out the three levels got some descriptions of the rooms and what's in there and because you've been exploring it for the last two sessions i've not really had to do any extra stuff because i'm like i've got mm-hmm. the dungeon planned out i'm, I'm just running the dungeon so yeah. that that's given me like a bit more time to go like, all oh, right, okay, what's going on outside of this? You know, maybe I can add a bit more to the cavern system and stuff like that. 
but the actual dungeon bit that's done i don't really need to worry about yeah. it yeah i find that that is a very comfortable place to be uh we've had that happen a couple times in the burning wheel campaign but most of the time that is not something that happens because the uh the game as, as mentioned does follow the the beliefs of the characters at any given time um sort of the the beliefs put the spotlight on and then we need to come up with stuff for that spotlight so um there's been a couple times where i've I've prepped like we've established like okay we're going to this particular area we're gonna do this we're gonna go through here and then I've I've had that in my mind and uh, it's a very it's a very nice place to be as a GM when you're you're sort of like I kind of know everything now because yeah. there's a little bit of a, bit of a like containment going on here yeah so that I know that they're not gonna go off necessarily from this particular area and I. Figured that stuff out a couple of weeks back. That I, I've had some of my most relaxed sessions because of that sort of thing, uh, where I have a solid idea from weeks back of what's you know in the vicinity of the characters. Yeah, I mean, and it's something I, because with um, Smoke Snow being like more of a hex crawly style game, mm. it, it's something I'll do in that where when we get to like one of these little like bottlenecks where it's like, all right, you're in this dungeon for like. Mm-hmm. so many sessions or whatever because i've basically what i've done is I've, I've used like a random generator to be like oh yeah there's like three monster layers in this big hex there's there's mm-hmm. one dungeon there's a few bits and pieces but i don't really like define them and then all i'll do is every time i'm sort of uh i've got a bit of a break where i don't need to be prepping the immediate session i'll be like all right okay um w- what's the nearest dungeon or potential adventure site that i've i've not done anything for and I'll just like write a few like brief notes for that. Then next time I'll be like, all right, what's the next one out? So by the time you guys get to like exploring that area, I've at the very least got some like brief notes on it that I can run with. And that was the same for like the um, the, the temple of like the solar order that you originally found like the sun sword mm-hmm. in. I was like, I had that prepped for like a couple of sessions beforehand. So when you guys were like, oh yeah, let's go see what that ruined temple is. I'm like, right, I've got the map set up. I know what's in there. I've just got to fill in a few little details and I'm like good to go. And again, it, it makes it a lot less of a sort of weight, like an immediate weight mm-hmm. on your shoulders as a GM. Yeah. Um, this, for some reason, just popped into my mind. Um, I enjoy Star Wars The Number a lot. Was about The Number. Also like that book <laughs> quite a bit. And uh, Crawford's... It's fair, it's a good book. Of, <laughs> yeah. One of Crawford's uh, things from the very start has been this section in his books where he talks about um, like make filler content. Yeah. Um, Like not like, you know, piles and piles of it, but like have these, if you want to flesh them out fully, sure. But even if, if it's just a skeleton of something um, to put in the file so that when someone it can't make it. We need to do something, you know, off the main interest bit, or uh, maybe we, we're just, you know, doing some other random stuff, or we we get stranded on a uh, on a place that we didn't plan for, uh, and mm-hmm. you'll you'll then have these sort of plug and play, <laughs> yeah, pieces of content. And I've always looked at that. I've read that uh, in in so many of these books, and I'm like, that sounds really like comfort comforting to yeah. like have something in the side 
And I've never really had that myself. Um, and I don't quite know why, because I've, I've run a fair bit of Starsfield number, for example, yeah. with, with the um, uh, group that we played in uh, years now, several years. We need to get back to that game. Yeah, um, and we, we did this very explicit, like, here's, here's some jobs you guys can do. Like, this is like the, the notice board of yeah. gigs. You, you just pick whatever. And it, it seems upon reflection... <laughs> It should have been a shoe in like it should have been very easy to have that running on the side. But I guess we never truly had like the necessity of doing that um, because we sort of I suppose we started generating our own stuff on the fly sort of naturally yeah. in enough detail that we I didn't need to have that file on the side. But that's something I think uh, I would like to maybe try to achieve on like this isn't so much on like the players at all but i'm just thinking for the next start of that number game um i would maybe try to have that sort of even like fully fleshed out pieces of content yes. that are that are sort of simple and sharp enough that you can actually drag and drop that stuff yeah. uh, i i think i want to experiment with that kind of thing because i've already always thought that it sounds very smart and comforting but I've never actually done it, and I don't yeah. quite know why. <laughs> I mean, I think when you were talking about the, the sort of job boards and stars of that number, I think mm. one of the strengths when you ran Scum and Villainy for us, like the sort of PBTA, mm. like Star Wars mm. knockoff, is that because that game explicitly, like, oh, you're playing like the Han Solo types, and mm -hmm. that game's explicitly based around, like, oh, here's the missions available, pick a mission, come up with a plan, make a mm -hmm. roll to see how your plan comes out, and then we'll pick up with like, the interesting bit when it either mm -hmm. goes wrong or when some complications come up. Yeah, I think that worked really well because that sort of job determining and job role thing was sort of like mm -hmm. hard-coded into the system. Yeah. So like there, there was no like, oh, you know, I've got to worry about oh, how, do, how do I set up this job board, how do I make it look plausible? Because mm -hmm. part of accepting like the format of the game is that you know that at the start of each session you're going to be like right okay these are the jobs that are available let's select mm -hmm. one and just like go with it and see how we get on mm -hmm. so i think that's one of the one of the strengths of that particular game like, like we said with that all powered yeah. by the apocalypse games it runs a very specific sort of focused game and runs it well yeah yeah it's, it's very sleek for that specific like the yeah. the roving space freelancers you know scraping by uh, which is uh, a very appealing yeah, I, mean, I, I, think, I think to sort of highlight the, the, the difference between like your stars of that number game and the scum and villainy game both of which mm -hmm. I really enjoyed mm -hmm. is that they both ostensibly had us playing sort of like slightly freewheeling like dodgy mm -hmm. sort of like merchant characters however in the stars of that number game we we have the freedom to do that but also do other stuff mm -hmm. and sort of diverge yep. away from that whereas because the scum and villainy is so focused on that, the game sort of like keeps you in that lane, and mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing wrong with that. No, that's 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 the beauty of that yeah, game. <laughs> it, it does what it does, and it does it very well. But if you want to sort of step outside that lane, then the game the game's not got anything for you. Whereas if you're, oh, we want to start off as traders, but maybe we might want to become mercenaries, and maybe we might mm -hmm. want to do this something a bit more general, like Stars Without Number. It doesn't necessarily have as much support for one of those styles of games but also that's kind of a strength because because it's got like a little bit for like all the different types of games you can mm -hmm. diverge if you want and you're not fighting against the game system to try and do yeah. that 
Yeah, which is like circling all the way back to uh, me liking to sample different stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I very much enjoy it when a game is specifically tooled for something. Uh, that does not mean that I, because I've repeatedly said I, I really enjoy Star with a number. Very broad, like you've said. Yeah. There's a lot of things you can do with that game. Uh, however, I would not pick up Scum and Villainy and do dungeon crawling. That would be a that would be the wrong uh, tool for that job. You can do it, but you maybe want to use something else for it. Much like Five E yeah. is is currently doing the thing that um, Third Edition and Three Point Five did back in the the explosion of D twenty yeah. stuff, where like yeah, you can do investigative horror with Five E. I would maybe not do that because I feel like maybe it's not the the best tool that I have yeah, for that. I, mean, I think if you if you wanted to run ostensibly like a standard like D and D like fantasy game in the sort of five edition the fifth edition mold and like you wanted to have like a session that just dipped its toe into like horror a little bit. Yeah, yeah you, you could quite easily do that. But Absolutely. If you were gonna make that the major like focus mm-hmm. of your game there's games out there which will support you more and do a better job of doing that and it's it's always the it's always a bit of a sort of dilemma for me and like i say when i've when I've talked about like fate as opposed to like d20 and stuff like that and pbta is there's advantages to using like a very general system but yeah. if there is a very specific system for that particular sort of game that you want to run and all of your players are on board with like yes we are running this type of game mm-hmm. then the, the specific systems by sheer virtue of their nature will probably do a better job of it but you've all got to be on board with the fact that like yeah we're all playing like s- space smugglers mm-hmm. whereas if someone something like bouncing and they're like oh actually i want to play a I want to play like a free form like space traveling wizard. You're like, well, Scum and Villain has got nothing for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whereas if if you're running stars with that number and you're like, oh yeah, okay, we're, we're going to play um, we're going to play space mercenaries or whatever, but we we might segue into some other stuff. It will do that. It's not got quite as much specifically tailored for space mercenaries. Mm-hmm. But by the same point, if anyone's like, oh yeah, I want to play a I want to play a space wizard in it, you can like bust out your like Codex of the Black Sun and be like, I got your wizard rules right here. Like, yeah. Go for yeah. it. Yeah, how much do you want? <laughs> I've yeah. got all your space wizards here, and I I really like that about um, so, yeah, starts with a number uh, it, because there's from the pre the current version is the revised, yeah. um, but for the previous version, um, which is they're entirely like you very easy to transfer between editions, but there's a lot of supplemental material that Crawford has made yeah. for basically entirely new games like if you wanted to turn uh stars without number into uh like a space like trading game uh, oh yeah there's sons of gold yeah um and you you can get your exile sheets out and you can start making that big space buck and so, uh, I mean, you- i've got most of them supplements <laughs> in like pdf yeah, and like I, said, I remember looking at Sons of Gold, and I was like, "Man, there is some detail in that book." Yeah, like it's maybe it's like stopping short of like currency speculation, yeah. but like you're you're like trading all about it. You you can run a just a straight up merchant like mercantile, you know, 
business game. I, I, with that. I'm, I'm actually kind of like low key hoping that um, when cause obviously like Worlds Without Number is like a much newer game, mm-hmm. it's, it's much more recent. I'm hoping. I mean, I don't. I don't know what it would be, but I'm, I'm hoping there'd be some similar kinds of supplements for Worlds Without Number. And I know you, there doesn't tend to be like the specialization you get in like sci-fi so much in fantasy, but I'd love to see some like supplemental stuff like Worlds Without Number being like, oh, here's how you could tailor it to like be this specific type of fantasy. So like, oh yeah, we've done mm-hmm. a swords and sorcery supplement. Oh, we've done like a sort of. Post apocalyptic, it's a bit post apocalyptic anyway. Mm-hmm. But we've done like a sort of Gonzo post apocalyptic like book. Oh, you want to make things a bit more like grim, dark, and gritty? Here's like a book which to- tells you how mm-hmm. to do that. I- I'd love to see that sort of same level of support that Stars Without mm. Numbers had for Worlds Without Number. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what's coming down the pipe there. Uh, definitely, because there's there's some really like 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 I said, there's sort of big add-ons you can put on yeah. to some of these previous products which you can like one of the things that i i kind of keep coming back to when i think like, oh yeah i want to run stars with a number there's um a supplement called darkness visible which is like do you want to be you know james bond spy stuff in yep. space with with lasers and you know cyborgs which Sure. And, and to, to be fair, if your if your answer's no to that question, I don't think we've got anything in common. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's got like all the all the things for that as well, including you being, of course, menaced by other, you know, similar secretive organizations with their own space laser cyborg spies, and um, uh, it's great because there's like that's kind of like a its own campaign in in a supplement to a game that still remains the same kind of game that you can do a lot with, yeah. even though you might be spies, that doesn't, you know, it, the game isn't too hardwired to the spies at that point. Yeah, yeah it's similar to um, for, for White Star, which is another like, OSR space game. There's um, a supplement which I very much like for that, which is like a third-party one, where um, it, it's a friend of the, um, the, the guy who originally wrote White Star, and he's like, oh yeah, like uh, the the guy who wrote White Star. He's like, he's like more of like you sort of like Star Wars fan. So it's all a bit sort of space opera and stuff like that. He's like, I'm more of like a Star Trek fan. So like, if you want to like do White Star, but do it like a bit more Star Trek rather than Star Wars, like here's a load of like additional stuff you can like mm. use for it. And I'd love to see more. Well, I don't know how feasible it is, but I'd love to see more sort of games like with supplementary material where they're like. Oh, the, the core games like fairly, and they did, did this with Fate, like Fate Worlds. Where mm-hmm. It's like oh, the the core games fairly generic, but if you want a bit, and you can do whatever you want with it, you can make your own stuff, obviously. But if you want a bit of extra support and a bit of extra guidance when it comes to a specific type of game, here's some extra stuff that you could use. Yeah, and you've you've just reminded me of this like long-standing, but very. <laughs> work intensive thing that I've kind of wanted to do which is uh, circling a little bit back to where we started this whole uh, conversation you could make entirely new campaigns for Burning Wheel by making new life path settings yeah so and, and by, what I mean by that is uh, in Burning Wheel 
uh, when you're looking at making a, a let's say a human character um you can pick your life paths from different settings a setting could be a village uh a, like a peasant farmland a city death cult uh <laughs> whatever it might be so like making new blocks of those um is something you can do to just completely retool yeah the game which uh, like brain will is is something that is uh a little bit it's it's hard to take the wrench to that uh in in any great extent because uh things interact with each other in that game so like it's it's a bit intense to start pulling apart is what i'm saying yeah. there i guess but um what i think is entirely feasible is you start designing new blocks of these you there's there's some examples floating around that you can still find where um uh the creators have made uh for example the um like lost uh what is it like the lost um like atlantean or whatever which is more or less just conan's entire life arc <laughs> made into life paths where nice. it's, it's like oh you're like a like a thief and then there's the pirates there's you know all the, like warlord um and and all that uh and they've got some now years out of print sort of alternative setting plugins you could put on um it's one of that, like you... a june style one yeah the the burning sands uh which is the sort of like you know uh, serial numbers off yeah type dune uh material so that's something that i've I've, as soon as I figured out um, how the uh, the life paths work, I've I've been thinking about I should I should try and make my own like make my own quote unquote setting because that's kind of the setting in Burning Wheel is the life paths yes for the characters to pick. So I've been playing around with that idea, uh, but it is it's it's a bit of work <laughs> to do. Yeah, I think that's probably putting it mildly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's something I could do or, or anyone could do. I guess. I, mean, but. I think if you. If you're running it in ostensibly like fantasy setting where like the skills are the mm-hmm. same and it and it's just a matter of coming up with like different combinations of skills that go with particular life paths, mm-hmm. it's still a lot of work. But mm-hmm. but you know, I think if you were doing like an entirely different sort of setting like sci fi or something, where the Ooh, skills yeah. would need to be retold as well, that's mm-hmm. like order of magnitudes more work. Yeah, you're you're just like doing the whole thing again yeah basically yeah. <laughs> at that point yeah but for like you could put down uh, a couple of life path uh, blocks um so like uh let's say we we want to do like gothic horror as a theme yeah yeah then then you you take the existing ones that fit like the farmer in the village and whatnot but then you start adding on the thematic stuff like the uh, there's there's not going to be like if there is an undertaker life path you toss that out because you need to you need to make it gothic horror yeah. creepy <laughs> and uh i'd actually and, love to see what um a sort of like mythos-esque game mm-hmm. doing like the with the burning wheel life paths would look like mm-hmm. see that'd be a hell of a lot of work should be retold yeah. skills and life paths but yeah. I, I, as i've said a number of times i, I quite enjoy the the sort of life path method of character creation mm-hmm. and you sort of look at it and you're like oh I've, I've sort of got like a bullet point like a little history of like 
my character's like life up to this point. So I know I, I was a farmer for five years and then I became a member of the town guard and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. I, I'd love to see about how that would work for something like a, a Mythos-style game where you can be like, oh, I was I was a professor and I was a student at Ockham University and then became an associate professor and then I became the librarian or whatever. And then, then I read the wrong book and I became a cultist for like six years yeah. or whatever. Yeah, because from the librarian, you can switch to the effectively like the uh the the mythos life pass where you're you're like the 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 you know the the troubled occultist now at the end of your you know life pass and and i think um i think for things like um in the mythos you know there's always like the um like the innsmouth look and there's the people who've got like a bit of like the other in Mm -hmm. their ancestry like that's something you could do like very well with um burning wheels um sort of non-human traits you know like where Mm -hmm. each non-human has like a specific trait and they have like their own life paths, but I think you wouldn't even need to like come up with entirely separate life no. paths and skills to them. Like, let's say you're like, oh, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this particular life path, and taking this gives me this trait and means I'm like descended from a deep one or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then from there, you just go on to like select your normal life paths. But that very first one, like you say, oh, you have to select this as your first life path if you want to be like. Yeah. one of the Innsmouth folk mm-hmm. and you're like oh mm-hmm. yeah that gives you like this special trait which is useful for interacting with deep ones or whatever yeah yeah or it, it marks you out yeah and um and then you know it's apparent as as is the way with burning wheel like if you would have that then it would be a, a thing that is constantly probably brought up in the game is like oh you're from that area are you because yeah. because I, I i know i know you got more salt in your blood than than other people because you come from the sea. Yeah, I mean, you, you could probably adapt like an existing, you know, like the like infamy trait or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And, you know, like, oh, well, if it gets found out, like, people are like, oh, you want to, even if they don't, they're not immediately like, oh, yeah, you're a deep one hybrid. People are like, oh, you want one of them Innsmouth people, are you? Like, mm-hmm. The big, like, bulging, staring eyes, strange, mm-hmm. like, inbred folk coming from Innsmouth. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You know, always, always smell a bit of fish and a bit too much of the sea. And always wearing oh, strange okay. gold jewelry. Yeah, always, always a bit damp. <laughs> and then yeah. you, you throw other things. You go, oh yeah. Well, if you've got the deep one, I think you can like, uh, you can go into like a, an esoteric order of like Dagon, like priest yeah. life path or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you swap from there again to the mythos life path, and it's just like, well, yeah, I'm now the high priest of Dagon. Uh, but you have your your thing there where you were you were born in Innsmouth. You. I don't know, you maybe you apprenticed at the local fishery, maybe yeah. you were a sailor for a bit, um, and then maybe you went to university, like you, you did your yeah. sailing, and then um, you went to university, you studied to become a doctor, uh, and then uh, you ended up uh, being, <laughs> being called back home for maybe a family reunion, and you switched into the mythos life paths, and they inducted you as a as a priest now. In well, the that's order. I mean, obviously, in the in the sort of like original Shadow of Rinsmith, there's like there's the people who very obviously like embraced the heritage, and they're all into like the Asteri mm-hmm. order of Dagon, and they're all waiting for that the great day when they all return to the sea and whatever. But there's also like the main character who like knows like nothing about his ancestry his mm-hmm. like mother took him away from Innsmouth when he was like very young and he's had like a nice normal life but he gets like drawn back into it so you know if, mm-hmm. if you wanted to just like forgive the pun if you wanted to just like dip your toe in that like that sort of water and just be like oh yeah okay I'm with this but I want to go purely for normal life paths after that you could do that but also you could be like oh yeah I want to 
fully embrace this like mythos vibe and sort of like run with that. So mm-hmm. I think, and that'd be right. Basically, what I'm saying is, I'd like to see like a burning wheel version of like every setting I can like think of is what I'm really <laughs> yeah. saying. But but I don't want to have to do the work to make all of those settings because it will be a lot mm-hmm. of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it would it would. But it, I guess it's one of those uh, sort of aspirational things, at least for me. Yeah, like, would be would be cool to set aside the time and cook something up in in detail. That's like, it. And I mean, all joking aside, it's not so much a matter of like oh, I wouldn't be willing to put the work in. It's like who's got the time to. To, to put yeah. aside that amount of time to do the work and then like I say burning wheel as it is is like a fairly hard sell when it comes mm-hmm. to like getting a group together and like, often people are like oh it's, the, it's, the, it's the, my favourite fantasy game that I'm never going to run or I'm never going to play or whatever but can you imagine how hard it would be to try and sell someone on like oh yeah we're not only going to run that burning wheel we're going to run that weird mythos burning wheel that I've come up with yeah I've I've made my like 100 page house rules for <laughs> <laughs> so uh it's it's no longer 1400 it's 1500 now that you need to read that's the hard sell yeah but no it's 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 really um cool the basic framework is something that i think could work with a lot of stuff including like just straight up like bram stoker dracula like oh, gothic yeah. gothic horror stuff just ooh, mm, get me in there yeah i mean I, I, again it's it's one of those things where I think that the specificity of the system and the fact it is so strongly tied into like its setting mm-hmm. is an amazing strength of it because it really captures that feel of the game. It's sort of go the fantasy game it's going for, but mm-hmm. also again it's a it's a bit of a downside really because you can't you couldn't just pick up Bernie Wynn and be like yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna run like a 1930s spy thriller with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean potentially if you're like I've got a few months to spare like retooling this, you could do it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but. As opposed to like a more general system where like you're like oh it's it's not going to capture like this Tolkien vibe quite as well as Burning Wheel, but if I want to do something else with it, I've also not got to completely rewrite it myself. Yep. Oh, well, also, one, I, one day. <laughs> I, I was going to say I love the fact that like whatever subject we like start talking about, we inevitably end up talking about how good Burning Wheel is. <laughs> I, I think I think when I eventually like, pass through this world, I'm gonna have that like carved on my like gravestone, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or I'm gonna have some I'm gonna have some complaint about the scales being too specific, like carved in. <laughs> like, I forgot to buy shoes. Yeah, or, or yeah, I forgot to buy shoes. Or, but, like, but I had a persona point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never did get that mold breaker offer. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, yeah, it's again. I think it's, and we've talked about this a few times. Where because it's a game where Luke Crane was basically like, here's here's the game me and my group like playing. We're not really mm-hmm. bothered if anyone like buys it. We just sort of put it out because mm-hmm. people have asked, and they don't really like push it in mm-hmm. the same way like a company that's like, yeah, we want to make mega books out of this game. Mm-hmm. Do like, like you know, what's with like Fifth Ed or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're not really pushing it as much. I think unfortunately it's it's a little bit more difficult to get into. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we've we've had a lot of chats about this because we, I, I uh, when we floated the idea that okay, um, actually, like we might all be interested in you know trying out Burning Wheel. Yeah. Uh, here uh, with a with a like a long form campaign. 
and we decided to you know take the chance because we had the people we had the time we had the commitment we decided yep. well maybe let's try let's try if this is going to work for us and um uh where was i going with this um i started the whole thing out with basically like let's let's you know book our normal session slot however it's basically going to be me talking to you at you above burning wheel <laughs> yep. uh, to um, sort of get us on board with the various idiosyncrasies, the, the logic of the, the system and all this, which already you're spending a session on that. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I, I, I also think, and I know we've spoke about this previously, mm-hmm. but I also think as well, as I've said on a number of occasions, you, you ran like, a small sort of convention scenario for um, myself and uh, Matthew, which I'm trying to remember what the the name of the scenario was. Uh, d- a trouble in Ho- uh, trouble in Hawken, I think, was the uh, first yeah, it was, bit. Yeah, it was uh, no, it's something. Um, I have it in my. I'll, I'll go look see in my materials here. But the uh, it, the it had the the big name, the overarching name, and then the three segments had their own names. Twilight in the Duchy of Adorben. That is the overarching name of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah and, and you ran that for myself and Matthew. And as I said at the time, and I've said since, I, I've had that burning wheel for a while. But I was like, I, I think I sort of get it, but I'm I'm not mm-hmm. sure because it's a little bit obtuse to put it mildly, mm-hmm. in some senses. And I think it is one of those games where you only really sort of get to grips with it once you've played it a bit. Mm-hmm. So again, it's it's quite a sort of, as we we're talking about campaigns. If you try and like get people to invest a load of stuff, a lot of time and effort up front, and you're like, oh, it's gonna it's gonna you're in for the long haul once you like sign up for this. It, it's a lot more difficult to get people to invest in it. And if you say, oh yeah, we're going to play Burning Wheel, but like. It's probably going to take you like a good few sessions before you you understand like the basics of it and stuff like that. It's a lot harder sell than if you're like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna mm-hmm. run like a simple D and D game. You have the basics down in like half an hour, and then you can just like, run with it. Yeah. Or here's your um, I don't know, pick your system of choice from Powered by the Apocalypse, and you you put down maybe like three X's on this sheet. Like you you pick. From this menu, you put down three of your picks. Yeah, all the rules uh, are on this playbook. You need. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's go. We'll we'll figure it out as we go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, that is that is not the case. And I mean, we, we've obviously because uh, Matthew's on holiday for a bit. You're going to be running like a couple of like tremulous one shots for mm-hmm. us, which for anyone who doesn't know is like a PBTA like Mythos game. And John Drury's not played it before. I we both played it and run it a number of times. Mm-hmm. But when he was like asking about it, we're like. Don't worry about the rules. Like everything you need will be on like your playbook. It, it's fine, and you can reasonably expect like within like ten fifteen minutes of the start of the session, you will pretty much have down like everything you need for the mm-hmm. rest of the session. Like you'll you'll have the basics of testing down, which is dead easy in PBTA, and you'll maybe have one or two special little abilities, but all those rules are on your character sheet. Yeah. Whereas like. I I wouldn't say even now, like given the, like I say the, the, the seventy plus hours of like Burning Wheel we've played in this game, and the like nearly ten hours we did in Twilight and the Duchy of Adobe, mm-hmm. I still wouldn't say now like oh yeah I've, I've got a hundred percent lock on like Burning Wheel, 
mm-hmm. I'd say I understand a hell of a lot more now than I did when I first started playing it. Mm-hmm. To the point where I, I, I don't know. I'd have to do a bit more reading before I felt comfortable running it. But I, if I did want to run it, I'd now go like, oh yeah, okay, I just need to do a bit of reading and I'll, I'll be fine. Whereas like the the thought of even like vaguely trying to run it when I first got the books and read them, I was just like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like I said, even now I wouldn't say I'd got a hundred percent lock on it. And we've yeah. like we've like played nearly like just with this current group of people, we've played like, mm-hmm. like ninety hours of it. Yeah, and that, yep. that's been great. It's all been great fun. But if you say to like someone who's just rocked up to your table, you're like, yeah, give me like ninety hours of like game time, and you probably you probably you probably know about seventy percent of it. Mm-hmm. it it's you, quite intimidating. You're, yeah, you're you're comfortable enough to turn to the session, turn up. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's a it's his own beast uh, in this regard, like thoroughly, <laughs> because. It, it asks yeah. for a lot of. Uh, I don't know what the word. I think, uh, like, investment into yeah, for into um, a bit of system mastery. And when I say a bit, that is scalable to what you want out of the game. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't need like you don't need to know the books back to back. Uh, you'll do fine if you just, you know, figure out the basic resolution stuff. You're good. Uh, yeah. you, you're you're good to go. And then, uh, if you do need some of the subsystems, different kinds of magic going on, more intricate resolution stuff, that's all there. But um, yeah, I, I, like it does ask for a little bit, even just to get off the ground with the basic stuff. Yeah, I mean, I know, like in some circles, uh, so like player character optimization and whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it is seen as a bit of a sort of like dirty word you know like yeah. oh, power gamers and whatever yeah, gauche. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but <laughs> I, I do feel as you've been sort of saying that you can get by quite easily with like the basic knowledge of making tests in Burning Wheel but it rewards you having a bit more knowledge about like mm-hmm. we are talking about beliefs earlier on if you know how to set up your beliefs so you've got like discrete achievable goals mm-hmm. you will be like and we've often talked about it when we've been coming up with beliefs between sessions where you're like, oh, there's there's some beliefs that like, you're always working towards and you're getting like the little sort of lesser fate points, but you, mm-hmm. you're never really going to resolve it or not in the short term. So you don't get like the slightly better offer points mm-hmm. you can get from completely wrapping something up. Or you can go, like, all right, I'm going to go for things where they're like the, the more short term aims so I can mm-hmm. get the, the persona, the higher points for that. And you sort of you try and find a balance where you're trying to you've got some long term goals, but you also constantly got like a flow of like discrete, sort of like smaller goals that you can keep achieving going on. And knowing how to sort of work that and how to tie it mm-hmm. into what's going on in the game, it the game rewards you for doing that. Like last session in your uh, Chronicle of the Crowns game, where I'm like, oh, like a year's passed, my character's been separated from the king. I'm going to make one of my goals like, oh, I'm going to. I'm going to rejoin the king and I'm going to sign on for his crusade against the undead horde. And I'm like, mm-hmm. realistically, by the end of the session, I can pretty much guarantee, unless something horrendous happens, I'm probably mm-hmm. going to have like hooked up with like Matthew's character and we're going to be like crusading against the undead. So I can tick that off and get a persona point. Mm-hmm. But other things like, oh, I'm going to become this like avenging knight, bringing like justice to the helpless and whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to fully achieve that. 
but mm-hmm. I can be working towards it in almost every session and getting like a constant flow of these like fate points going yeah. through. Yeah. And I think this is um, to tie it back to Smoke and Snow. Um, <clears throat> there's um, system mastery in both. Uh, so Smoke yeah. and Snow is, is uh, old school essentials. And um, the the system mastery, such as it is, because the system <laughs> is um, is sort of very boiled down, as as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but it's, it's basically BXD and D, isn't it? Yeah, very very sort of compact stuff. So the system mastery then becomes something a little bit different. It shape shifts into um, what <laughs> what um, you might call if you were into the design or RPG game design uh, terminology, you might call it fictional positioning, which is a fancy way of saying if you can have your character be in the the game situation, if you have your character be in an advantageous position, you get something for that. Yeah. So in in Burning Wheel, that would be advantage dice. Maybe you can um, use some of your other skills to supplement the thing that you're actually doing. So if you are, let's say you're brawling with this one guy and you're sort of like, it's a street fight. You're, you're fighting with this guy. But you also uh, know about human anatomy. Yeah. 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 You know where to kick him. You know where to punch him for added effect. So you you point that out you put your extra die in you're good uh in old school essentials what i do is uh i i play around with basically the the items that i brought with me yeah. uh, to whatever <laughs> thing that we're doing uh, i use my grappling hook a lot for different kinds of things and i, I pitch it to you and then we work from there yeah. which is like in sort of my headspace we're talking about the same stuff but it is it is presented differently and um, sort of Burning Wheel mechanizes that to uh, a different degree, whereas in Old School Essentials, it's it's more bringing in as you, <clears throat> I think in one of your previous uh, podcast episodes, you were talking uh, something about uh, player and character skills. Yes. Like in, yeah. yeah. And uh, <clears throat> that that's kind of we're in both cases we're talking about player skill but it, it is it manifests differently and you you bring it up differently yes. in the game yeah. which is that's also like a funny realization i'm having now is that like my fictional positioning arguing for having something in old school essentials games that you run that's me going like well john i have this thing in my pocket uh i <laughs> it does this can i can i use this yeah. on the problem <laughs> Does it help with the problem? Yeah, I mean, um, I, th- I think as well, if you if you sort of boil it down to its most basics in old school essentials, you, you your system mastery is pretty much going like, what what character class am I playing? Mm-hmm. What's that character class good at? Mm-hmm. And obviously, like originally, like back in the days when there was only like three classes in like D anD D, it was it was like this character, this class does this, this class does this, this class does this. We're in dungeons. That's what that's what happens. That's become a bit not diluted, but it's become a bit less the case as like more classes have come out and stuff like that. But still, as you were saying earlier, when you were talking about your character Wymore, when you're like, okay, I'm a fighter. I've got I've got a reasonable amount of hit points. 
I've got armor, which makes me harder to hit. I've got a shield. I've got a magic sword. Right, and the other guy, like with me, is wearing like a shirt and breeches, and he's got a crossbow and he's got last hit mm -hmm. points. So I need to make sure I'm stood in front of that dude, so he can get his crossbow shots off and weaken the enemies approaches me. Then I can like go in for like the killing blows and tie them up so they can't get to the weaker guys behind me. And knowing what your class is good at, as well as all these like improvisational mm -hmm. things, sort of like you get rewarded for that in the game by not necessarily in the case of like Arthur points, like systemically, like you get in burning wheel, mm -hmm. but you get rewarded by the fact that if you go into a combat and you're the you're the warrior or the fighter, you're more likely to survive that intact than if like the if the thief wades in with like a a short sword or whatever and tries to like batter them down. But as we saw in the last smoke and snow, the the thief came into his own where like Dave's like, all right, the, we're in this. Uh, underground like tomb there's loads of traps and treasure chests with like traps and locks on them and there's loads of doors with locks and he's like picking locks all over the place and opening doors he's like running about he's doing like his sniping and like working out his positioning and stuff like that and he's like right okay what what, what are the strength i mean i'm assuming this is how dave works i've known him for a while mm -hmm. he's like all right okay what are the strengths of my class right i'm really fast moving i've got a really good deck so i'm really good at shooting with my bow I've also got these additional skills that I can use to sort of remove a few obstacles that are in our way. And if you lean into that, obviously the game rewards you by like you progressing and surviving through the various encounters. Yeah. And to const contrast further on this very topic, uh, it's kind of like I get rewarded in our OSC stuff kind of regardless of what happens because i i enjoy the uh, yeah. the defeats that we have uh, as well and the character deaths like that's all i enjoy all that and okay. um sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say that i enjoy that i also like when we succeed and in burning wheel you can also get rewarded regardless of you know success yeah. in many different ways <laughs> you can get rewarded and uh, burning will sort of thrives on you uh like basically picking up problems <laughs> in a yeah. in a bit like you get in fate when you you've got your aspects and they bring you trouble yeah. um uh, burning wheel also you know is is geared towards bringing trouble to you when you do stuff and when that happens, you get more opportunities to just get more rewards from stuff. Um, your skills attributes increase. You get these fate points and whatnot. Um, you make new friends. Uh, you make new enemies. In Burning Wheel, uh, just to highlight the, the idea of uh, sort of, I guess, player skill as, as well as like system mastery. In Burning Wheel, you pay points... Uh, you can purchase at the start of your your character creation. You can buy, uh, let's say, uh, like you buy something called like savvy, which maybe yeah. that helps you roll for uh, maybe like negotiating, like haggling, basically. Like you're 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 really good at haggling prices, and you're paying points for that sort of thing. You also, if let's say you're a leper, uh, mm -hmm. like you you pick that life path, a leper, and um, maybe you have uh, a a trait from there. Uh, called, I don't know, diseased or something, which yeah. is that's straight up, you know, a negative to that character's life. 
yeah. they it's, it's in nowhere comparable to being a good haggler to being you know having a, a terrible disease <laughs> racking your body uh, with with like actual effects say what man that, that, that's what i should have prayed for in last session like cure me of my disease yeah which Secret is which is flame mm-hmm. yeah which is something we, we can do now because you uh you have the flame uh, but what i'm driving at it is in burning wheel it doesn't matter if your thing that you're buying is is like pure bonuses or just pure awfulness as far as the character's view, yeah. viewpoint yeah, is yeah. like it doesn't matter which one it is you can hit on that and you can get rewards for yeah. both your character and yourself as a player uh through the things that you do and the more system mastery you have the more you can get for you and your character well, through it, everything it's like an example of of experience personally in your uh, chronicle of the crowns game is like before my character sort of like found this new faith he had that like a uh, unbeliever trait or whatever it mm-hmm. was and i sort of leaned into that quite a lot anytime anyone mentioned gods i'd be like that's because they don't exist that that's <laughs> why you're having trouble with your gods because they're not real they're made up <laughs> and like that 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 could have potentially made things quite tricky for us in like a number of social situations mm-hmm. but by role playing out that trait the system rewards you for doing it whether whether people just go, oh, he's, he's on about gods again, it doesn't really cause any problems, or if it causes you problems in the scene, by role-playing it out, you're still effectively getting rewarded yeah. regardless of the consequences. Yeah, but- and and the the thing is, like, including those bits in the game is is the, the point of it all. So, and you only buy things that you intend to... <laughs> Like that's that's the sort of magic in in the Burning Wheel character creation process, I guess. That everything that ends up on your sheet is the important bits in the game. Yeah. Um, so, for example, the um, uh, the game has uh, something that's called a character trait, which is basically a descriptor uh, and just a descriptor. So it could be something like you're uh, arrogant or you're hairy. So. If you have the hairy trait, that's not like oh, I my like beard grows back. I have the five o'clock shade like every yeah. day, even if I shave daily. Uh, it's not that you are the hairiest, like you are <laughs> Mister Hair, and um, that is sort of like the um, the point of it all. If you buy that trait for yourself, hairy, uh, then you are for both yourself and everyone else in the game, you're underlining that I want this to be a part of the game. I will bring this up. And this is something that we're going to play with. I am the hairiest. So when you go into, I don't know, the, um, the, I forget the the particular breed of those, those cats that don't really have a lot of fur going, but you go into the, the hairless cat kingdom and, um, and you are the hairiest. They might just be like, "You need to be burned at the stake because you are the devil," yeah. <laughs> and uh, and like stuff like that. It doesn't need to be that dramatic, but the point is like, you put something on your sheet, you bring that up, invoke drama, cause trouble, and engage with all that stuff, and good things happen. You get rewarded, yeah. and and it's both in the good and the bad, sort of ostensibly good and the. Um, uh, uh, very, very, very like negative stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think um, one of the one of the sort of favourites of games I've played in is um, 
some uh, one of the guys off the um, the, the sort of audio dungeon Discord I'm in ran um, Barrow Maze using um, a, a retro clone called Delving Deeper, and that's like literally a clone of like the original like three little brown books where there's mm-hmm. only like three classes and like there's an optional thief class. But one of the things I enjoyed in that is like every weapon, regardless of what it is, does like D6 hit points damage. Mm. That's it. There's no like special chisel. It's all mm-hmm. just D6 damage. And like, I really enjoyed that because like, as soon as I got into the game, I was like, oh, well, if it doesn't matter what weapon I wield because mm-hmm. it was just D6 damage, that means I can wield anything as a weapon and mm-hmm. do D6 damage to the point where at one point... Uh, some guy like picked. I mean, Colin still ribs me about this now, but some guy like picked my dwarf's pocket, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna like, rip a chair leg off this stool I'm sat on in the tavern, and I'm just gonna like, throw mm-hmm. it at him as he runs away." I was like, oh, "I'm gonna try and like tangle his legs up, and like mm-hmm. then I can run, stump my way across with my slow movement and like catch him and get my money back." And uh, I succeeded in the role and got like max like six damage and just like tonk, tonk <laughs> this guy in the head and like killed him with like a chair leg <laughs> and like. Every time we played after that, like Colin's like, "Oh, I don't let him go near any chairs." <laughs> um, that that was a bit where, like, because the because the system was like so like generic in that again, in a way, it was almost sort of it didn't really reward the system mastery in a system way, but it was quite mm-hmm. sort of freeing in terms of like, oh well, if if everything just does d six damage, like, it doesn't matter what I, I use, I can pick up like a like a milk pail and like hit someone with it and it's d6 damage or i can grab a chair and like hit someone with it it's d6 damage i can pick up a sword or a fire poker it's d6 damage and i really love that yeah it, it evokes in me um memories of uh, a bunch of movies where you have a scene where there's two very capable combatants that are in an environment that is rich in like things you could pick up and use would, would um, you say they may be under siege in that environment <laughs> yeah. and it's like a kitchen yeah like if you have a movie and you have a fight in the kitchen they're going to use everything in the kitchen yeah. like the pans the knives there's going to be vegetables tossed the hot soup always a classic yeah i mean uh, i think i think that's <laughs> potentially a downside towards having in that this specific situation i mean the slightly mm-hmm. more detailed mechanics because yeah i mean like for myself i, I, I wouldn't really give a if I was like, oh, if I wield this like this soup terrine, it's gonna like do less damage mm-hmm. or whatever. I just fucking go for it. But like, I could see people who are very sort of system motivated mm-hmm. being like, oh well, I could I could like get all funky and like improv and just grabbing stuff. But like, if I wield this soup terrine, I'm only doing like D4 damage. Whereas if I just like unsheath my broadsword, I can probably like finish him in one. Whereas mm-hmm. like say in the sort of slightly simpler system like delving deeper, it's like it doesn't have that because you're like, oh, it doesn't matter what I pick up here. I just go crazy and like grab anything and it's D6. Mm-hmm. It's great. But by the same token, you also don't get any sort of distinction between the weapons. Because mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, like, um, you're playing like I've seen, you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm wielding this like two-handed like broadsword. It does like much more damage, but I'm going last in every round because it's so heavy to swing. And then you get something like where you found like your gauntlets of ogre power, and you're like, mm-hmm. I can wield like a double-handed sword in like one hand. Okay, mm-hmm. great, let's go. Mm-hmm. So I, I, again, I think upsides and downsides to like more specific systems yeah. and more generic systems. It's just w- yeah. what happens to work for your particular flavor, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and also like recognizing what that works for is. Is good. So if if you're using like yeah, when you're attacking, you do one d six damage, but you need something to like you, not necessarily with fists, but you need something to hit with. Yeah. Use as a weapon. 
1d6 damage, you're good. Doesn't matter what it is. Um, that like sounds very much like that's going to be uh, like a pulp adventure type deal, uh, high adventure, um, sort of like high risk scenarios, yep. uh, and a lot of like improbable heroics. Uh, and all, all of that is invoked just by the fact that you have the freedom to engage with objects basically at your leisure when it comes to that sort of thing. So like recognizing that that's, at least to me, that would be the strength of, of this thing. Um, I would then proceed to have the game be like that. Uh, and and maybe like, for well, clearly I'm, I'm not saying I would run a, a, a like a old school room by room dungeon crawl with this. Yeah. It wouldn't be that because uh, I, I, my instinct says this is more like Indiana Jones, <laughs> and we're we're gonna we're gonna improv our way through some very very dangerous stuff, and we're gonna have like high adventure. <laughs> okay, so I think to to wrap this up because I've been talking for nearly like yeah. three hours and thank you very much for that although i think to be honest given the amount we talk about burning we're like luke crane should be like sponsoring us he's not by the way anyone listening yeah yeah but no, um, not at all. uh i think to, to close off i'm just going to sort of ask the ask you a question i'm I'll probably going to answer it myself mm. afterwards in terms of well, we've talked a lot about long-running campaigns and the current status of our campaigns where do you see your Burning Wheel, Chronicle of the Crowns campaign going in the the future? And are there any particular bits that obviously that you can reveal because I don't want you to spoil mm-hmm. anything because I'm playing in it, mm-hmm. but any particular bits that you're like really looking forward to? I'm really looking forward to us um, ending up in a... Well, now we're, we're sort of at the situation where the ram has touched the wall and we're actually going to get into basically uh into full scale conflict with a a bad guy that has been uh pointed out at the very start of the game like some 30 sessions ago we sort of learned about the existence of this bad guy and we've been doing a lot of like background uh, groundwork stuff for this now we we didn't get anywhere near where we i suppose wanted to be at this point yeah so uh, in true burning wheel fashion um, we're, we're kind of uh, we're bleeding a bit, we're we're stumbling a bit, but we're we're going ahead. We're doing the thing and uh, getting engaged with that like big conflict that has been brewing up in the horizon for uh, for a bit uh, is something I'm really looking forward to. And specifically, the conclusion of that when we finally engage with the uh, uh, what's called the Last King, yep. the, the this this aforementioned uh, undead uh, pretender pretender king Um, like engaging with the last king whether that's like uh, personal combat like I've been thinking about like are we going to have like a duel uh, or or is it going to be maybe it's going to be like a big social conflict depending on how things go uh, both things are are possible Uh, maybe it's just going to be a massive war that we end Mm -hmm. up doing but any one of these things I'm, I'm really looking forward to. And this is what I think is going to happen in the immediate future. We're going to get in some big time, um, light versus dark, uh, big yeah. fights, grand war, um, like big bad guys on the field, hopefully big good guys on the field. 
making some really like set piece events happen. Uh, I've got to say, with, with regards to that, I mean, obviously, I'm looking forward to like the big battle bits. I'm playing like a fighter, effectively, mm. like a sort of combat, and like those are my main skills. But also the way the sort of like bad guys are like been set up, the way he's been like consistently portrayed throughout mm-hmm. this, and obviously the the sort of undead king and obviously the, the greater darkness like lurking behind him like I'm fully like we're not just going to ride up and like tonk him with a load of swords yeah, so and that's going to be him done because <laughs> I'm like the way he's been set up and obviously I know we're going for like the talking but mm-hmm. I'm envisioning like you know you see the bit at the start where like um, Sauron like comes out with his big mace and mm-hmm. he's just like one swing of it and like 20 men are like ah! and like flying yeah. through the air so, <laughs> yeah. so I'm like oh if we just like charge towards him with the men like something like that's going to happen and we're just going to get mm-hmm. leveled so uh, the, the bit I'm really looking forward to, as well as like the, the sort of combaty bits and maybe trying out the mm-hmm. fight or the debate mm-hmm. rules, as well as that, I'm looking forward to the bit where we inevitably like go like, oh, we can't just like <laughs> we can't just shank yeah. him with a load of swords, <laughs> and we're going to have to work again like facing complications and burning wheel. We're going to have to like work out like some sort of strategy to try and deal with him, whether that's just like oh king cameron's gonna like finally bust out his sorcery and like summon some like mighty creature to like battle him or whether like the the adherents of the secret flame are gonna like do some like massive like prayer and summon a miracle or whatever whatever it turns out to be i'm looking forward to that moment where we're like we all of us have to go like right this is it swords aren't cutting it this is it like what are we gonna do Mm -hmm. but those are the bits i sort of really like in Burning Will and in particular the Chronicle of the Grounds campaign yeah, where, right. where you're sort of like right the first plan is done it has not worked what yeah. now and yeah and, and now we need to pull a rabbit out of a hat yeah. real quick <laughs> yeah uh, and it was, it was, it was um, exciting it was why I enjoyed that whole encounter with like the the um, the beast I'm sorry I forget the name of it yeah Girion 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 yeah, yeah. Where, where it's like oh um, with me as like the NPC like Sir Regress is all very noble and like faithful and like loyal to his men and whatever and um We've got the point where like Matthew's like, oh yeah, may- maybe if we could like release this creature, we could use them as like a living weapon. But like the creature itself's like, oh, I've been unjustly punished. I just want an end to it all. And like as as it grass, I'm like, oh, you know, we should. It's been punished enough. We should give it like an honourable death. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that like, because I'm an NPC, I'm not going to make that decision. Mm-hmm. But uh, I love the fact that like Matthew had to like make that decision. Where ostensibly, there's no right answer. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You know, like. Yeah, he probably would have been useful in like the final battle if we could have somehow used him. But mm-hmm. he, as I said at the time, he's having to weigh up that like, oh, what what do I want as being the most useful thing for me, versus like this poor like misbegotten creature who's been like chained mm-hmm. up for like most of eternity, yeah, an eternity, <laughs> yeah, exactly, in a, yeah. In a dungeon. <laughs> and it, again, not in the same way as like the oh, we've got to work out like a, a plan in a life and death situation. Mm-hmm. But again, it's a case of like oh we're in this situation where we can't just like brute force our way through it. There's no like right or wrong answer really, but I've still got to make an important decision. Those are the bits I'm really loving about the campaign. Yeah. I, I really, uh, I realized that sometime into thinking about how that might go and setting that whole thing up for, uh, 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 for that particular scene, yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was really at the end. I realized I'm I'm doing my own Kobayashi Maru thing <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, like this yeah. this is it, this is entirely the same kind of test of character. It's yeah. it's, it's not um, something you can math out at all. <laughs> yeah, it's it, like I say, it's, it's not there's a right or a wrong answer. It's just like what path do you take and what does mm-hmm. that say about you? Yeah, yeah, that was really really fun. 
to yeah. be honest, I really yeah. enjoyed that. I mean, in terms of um, in terms of smoke and snow, without giving too much away, I think eventually you guys are going to locate the night blade. Then mm-hmm. it's going to become like, oh, what? And I, again, I won't go into too many details. So I don't mm-hmm. want to ruin it. But then it's going to become like, all right, what? Say you guys recover it. What do you guys do now? You've got these three god blades, mm-hmm. you know, and then potentially we'll sort of like be in like the end game of this particular campaign once mm-hmm. we get to that stage, which could could happen relatively quickly, depending on like how mm-hmm. quickly you guys find it and yep. what you decide to do with it. Could take a bit longer, just depends on what goes on. And like I say, if it happens quickly, I'll probably like run another game of some kind in this same campaign world. Like not yeah. necessarily in the same time period, but I'm looking forward to that bit again. Like I said, making decisions, like I was talking about your campaign. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for that bit where you guys have like. I'm almost looking forward to the bit when you've got the god blades as much as like you trying to get them. Yeah, get, when, get when you've there, got yeah. all three of them, and you're like, "Great guys, we've we've done it. We've we've, yeah. we've got the night blade. We've got the the green blade. We've got the sun blade. Right. We, we've got enough people of all the different alignments to like, so each one of us can hold each of these blades. Mm-hmm. Now what? And to answer that, uh, which I think we've uh, touched on very lightly, yeah. um, um, I seem to recall that I was talking about that some in some session, um, that uh, I certainly got the idea that it, it might be on the table that if we get all the swords, like my understanding is that there might have been a singular deity that was sort of sectioned into pieces from which the swords were made of or maybe the pieces were put into the swords and i think we we might have a vested interest when we get the swords of of brewing up this plan of how do we how do we rejoin the blades perhaps rejoin this essence that is in these swords because maybe the essence was one at some point in the distant past before they did all this the ancient you know wizard lords as they were um, so, like, I, I too am seeing something like that um, happening, um, like getting the sword, because uh, we're explicitly pursuing the Nightblade now. We yeah. have the two already, and I think we we definitely do want to do something, uh, maybe a little bit crazy <laughs> when, <laughs> when we get them, because that's been our thing. And I think, well, like, some characters, like they have a religious motivations. Like, if we can take these swords maybe melt them down however it works if we can you know quote unquote release one of the old gods that that might just be the thing that we decide to do uh and try to do anyway um but yeah i'm i'm also seeing like we're gonna go in we're gonna get the sword we're gonna concoct something uh (laughs) very dangerous to do uh with the three swords and and we're gonna see where that goes i guess which is i guess you know, we're extending the scope in some direction that we haven't really gone into because our game hasn't included a lot of magically capable no. player characters. So we've we we haven't had that aspect a lot, like I mean, the no. sort of cosmic. The, the know, only weirdness. the only sort of magic users we really had was uh, when Darren was playing Brother Lomas's Friar, who mm-hmm. had like some like healing magics, and that's pretty much been it. We've had like no wizards or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to. Finding out, I guess, what kind of weirdness we can create when we have all the the god blades, as they are called. Excellent. 
So that concludes my conversation with Johannes about long-form campaigns. And obviously we segued into some other stuff and we discussed our own campaigns a little bit. It only remains for me to say thanks to Johannes for joining me and agreeing to be part of these episodes. And thanks to anyone who's listened to them. If you've listened to them, we hope you've enjoyed them. If you've got anything you want to say about them, you can get in touch a number of different ways. Or maybe you want to just tell us about your own long-form running campaigns or your experiences with longer campaigns. You can leave us a voicemail message on SpeakPipe or Anchor. There'll be a link in the description of this episode. Or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Until we see you again, take care, stay safe, and whatever you're playing, have fun.